are a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Well, g'day everybody. My name is Tom Putt and welcome to yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure slash podcast. Welcome to those watching as I'm recording this today with my fancy new microphone. G'day to you, Matt Crummins. Hello. That was very loud. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Like enthusiastic I'm... and loud. No, it was good. It was a I good, know. good I know. energy. I'm... You know, I, I, well, you need the energy, don't you? Because we need to give people lots of energy this time around because we're in the middle of a lockdown, of course, and uh, the figures aren't going anywhere where we want them to. So, well, I mean, we need to. Um, I think what we should try and do stay is, positive. Yeah, that's it. And I reckon we just encourage everyone to try and get our podcast subscriber numbers up. So, if we can do the same thing with our subscriber numbers as what's going on in Victoria, that maybe that's the way that we egg, egg us along, you know? <laughs> this is it. And you know what? Speaking of subscriber numbers, the feedback on the first episode has been absolutely incredible, has it not? I mean, Nick Fletcher, he can't stop raving about it. He's got to be our number one fan, doesn't he? We'll have to give him some sort of inaugural type, uh, you know, gold membership, lifetime membership to I, the podcast, I think. Yeah, I'm thinking that we make him like a custom face mask that has our face printed on it and then he can pretend to be us. He has to wear that around everywhere yeah, whenever he, he goes out. He would, he would. Punishment. Well, he would. Of course he would. He'd, he'd wear it regardless of whether we asked him to or not. He's that kind of guy. He's... He's, he's actually just a little bit jaded and probably just a grumpy old man at the moment, but let's not go there. We don't want to give him too much airtime because really it just feeds his ego, which seems to be desperately needing some sort of, um, I don't know, food or fodder at the moment. But anyway, um, how you been? Uh, I've actually been really good this week. Yeah. No, I've been... Um, <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. You've been on the horse, in other words. Yeah, basically. You've been, you've been sitting in the bath with your red wine and you've just been incredibly creative i know that everyone thinks it's really a bit creepy that you know that but it's true that's pretty much what i do with my life what do you mean i've got the webcam set up and i can just tune in at any time you're one of my um what is it only fan no top fans is it called? <laughs> <laughs> that's it you just keep those five cent donations coming that's it that's it now let's launch straight into it because we did say that we we're going to try and keep these podcasts down to about a 45 minute sort of duration mm. And so what I wanted to jump into this week to give our listeners heaps and heaps of value was, in fact, how we can find motivation to get out and photograph um, at times, whether it be during lockdown and we can safely go out and shoot, whether that be around the garden or in the local streets as we're exercising. I mean, we want to be doing everything we can to abide by the rules, of course, but also, too, when we're out of lockdown, how do we go about making sure that we can ramp things back up again and actually get stuck into our photography and loving what we're doing. That's it. So that's the program. Yeah. I think it's important because I think that it's, you know, I'm feeling like I'm really excited to get out there shooting again, but I, I've got this like this fear, this hidden fear that I'm going to get out there and like be so amped up, ready to go, and then I'm just going to be like, to do what? <laughs> <laughs> You've forgotten how to turn the camera on. Just the battery's vibrating. The battery's. The batteries aren't working. No. They've gone flat. You haven't used the camera in a few months. <laughs> you've forgotten to put the card in, the card somewhere back in your laptop computer and you've forgotten to plug it back in. That's it. Oh, you know what? I'd probably be delusional enough just to, just to walk around and take blank shots of nothing, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you could just pretend. You know, what is, the, the, that, what is with camera manufacturers making cameras 
whereby you can shoot without a card in. And so you're happily snapping away and you're pressing play on the back of your camera and the last photo's coming up and you're thinking, wow, I'm mailing it today. And then you all of a sudden realise that you can't scroll backwards to see any others and uh, there's no card in the camera whatsoever. Is that not the most stupid function ever? See, I actually really like that feature. <laughs> what? No, I know. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I think it's the one thing that keeps me employed with my clients because when they try and do it themselves, they forget to put the card in. And so it's like, oh, we should probably hire Matt. At least he remembers to put the card yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is another topic altogether that I want to talk to you about at some stage is the value of going on a photographic workshop because I've actually been um, putting together a whole presentation on that. I've spent two days on it, would you believe? And uh, I'm very happy with what's, what I've come up with. But, um, you know, there's a there's, there's probably those out there that go, why in the hell would you bother? I could go and do it all myself. And then there's the other camp which would say, well, heck, why wouldn't you go on a workshop where the experts can teach you more about photography but also show you the best places to go, get you the right places at the right time, everything's taken care of, just pay your money and then, you know, Matt will look after you. I mean, we're very clearly in that camp. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely, definitely think that. I think that they're almost two different experiences as well though. Like there is something really nice about I think having a bit of headspace to do your own thing, get out of that rut yourself, I guess, in a way, um, and be able to explore and, and experiment. But, you know, equally, if you're in a rut because you just don't have that spark, you're lacking that creativity, you know, you're walking through that same place going, I just, don't, I don't know, it's just not inspiring me, you know, help or getting the help from someone else to to point out the beauty in, in something um, and to even just, just to... You know, with me, I, what I love about photos is you're often showing people something they see every single day, but you're showing it in a completely different way. Yeah, and right. I think that being on a workshop or being out with a pro photographer like that, like they're pointing things out that you probably just walk past and go, oh, you know, well, that thing's well, nice, but you don't know how to yeah. photograph it. No, no, or you don't see it at all. Yeah. And it's an interesting point and it, it actually does tie in with what we're talking about today because one of the points I had written down in order to regain your mojo and get the motivation back into your photography is actually going on a photographic workshop. I think that's one of the best things that you can do, obviously. Um, it's like but, a forced boot know, camp almost, isn't it? <laughs> exactly right. Um, you know, it's, it's great for us because we've got a captive audience that we can, you know, bang on to forever and a day while they're with us. But, look, um, it's, it's an interesting point you make about the art of seeing and showing them photographs that, will, that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. I mean, that's the difference between, um, you know, an amateur versus a professional or, or what makes a pro better than another pro in many regards. Is that it's just the art of seeing a photograph, isn't it? You know, we could walk past things and not notice at all and yet uh, other professional photographers could look at it and just go, oh, my God, look at that. That's incredible. I mean, the art of seeing is, I think, what um, separates one photographer from another in, in many ways. Yeah, definitely. And I reckon that there's also, I mean, it's it. This is also I get I got a lot of flack for this as well, but to me I, I don't get me wrong. Settings are important in a camera. There's no doubt about it. Without settings, you don't have a photo. But mm. what really, really gets me kind of really you know fired up for a conversation is when people put this huge emphasis on settings over actually getting out there with that creativity, seeing things, and getting a decent composition. You know, anyone. Technically speaking, photography is relatively straightforward. From a technical perspective, there are there are not that many rules to make settings work, but that doesn't make a good photo. You know, a good photo is is really just straight up compelling because it's showing you something. You go, whoa, how, how, where, why? 
you know? Yep, yep. Well, this is it. You know, I, I when I'm teaching my one-day workshops down here on the Mornings Peninsula, obviously we go through the ins and outs of, you know, shutter speed, aperture and ISO and the technical aspects of photography. But really, I don't like to harp on it because I feel that people just get bamboozled by all of that. And sure, I mean, do you want a, an amazing photograph that has an incredible subject with beautiful light and composition and technically it might be not 100% because you've used f8 rather than f16 but still most of it's sharp versus the other way around where technically it's brilliant but really the light's a bit off or uh, the composition could have been stronger things like that at the end of the day I mean Steve Parrish used to teach um, or maybe still does teach photographic workshops and or, or give regular talks and talk about the fact that he loves shooting in auto yeah, but but you know what though, for him. when you look at a photo at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure you 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 might be someone who busts this for me, but I don't think it is. If you look at a photograph, <laughs> Here we go. I always get worried when I talk to someone who's really this experienced is... about this because sometimes they throw a curveball. I'm like, wow, I never actually thought about it like that. Yeah, I actually, I actually never knew that. So. Yeah, yeah. But if you look <laughs> at I'm, a, I'm not going to admit it. So. There goes my entire career in one question. <laughs> no, but if you if you look at a photograph, it doesn't matter what the photo is, what it's of nothing it could be a really shitty photo it could be an absolutely yeah. brilliant photo there is no way it doesn't matter how professional you are it doesn't matter how experienced you are there is no way for you to tell what mode that camera or that setting that that was uh, shot in whether it was manual auto whatever it was 100 percent, 100 are you and, there and a party over there mate <laughs> sorry we like, we're like always doing the, ride going. Oh, we're doing the homeschooling thing and there's kids going from one room to the other and you know it's uh it's actually it, this is the quietest part of my whole week is recording this podcast oh. because the rest of the time it's just mayhem in here. If anyone That's, else would um, like to send your kid to Tom's homeschool, um, no, you, you can just no. call on 555-555. You've been watching too many American movies. <laughs> you know when you watch Ghostbusters and they'd have the number up on the TV and they go, just call us, 555. Yeah. That was the standard number. They used to they used to uh, keep all of those 555 numbers just for the Hollywood movies. Anyway, we yeah. anyway, I have no idea what we're talking about now. Um, at the end of the day, the other thing is too, you know, like – People aren't, if they give my gallery, for example, a, a quick plug, people coming in, you know, if they're photographers, they'll ask what sort of camera it's been photographed on. But the rest of the time, people don't give a shit. At the end of the day, they love the photograph for what it is, not because I had those type of settings on the camera or because I used a certain type of camera. Um, they fall in love with it for the emotional reasons, not for the technical stuff. Can you imagine, though, like someone having a dinner party, like this really, you know, high-end socialite dinner party down in Portsea. Everyone's down there and you've got this beautiful art on the walls and the, the, the host stands up and goes, and I have a Tom Putt shot on a Pentax. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Shot on a Pentax 645Z. Yeah. He was flying at about 1,500 feet, I believe. Oh, you can just imagine how many people, oh, my God, a Pentax. Who would have known? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're digressing again. It's just but, not relevant. Know, but the thing is, it's just not relevant, is it? Like, if you shot it, it on an iPhone matter. and it's still printed that good, yeah, well, it's still the same photo, isn't it? Who cares? So, you know, like, I, I kind of had to build that bridge myself with regards to uh, drones because, you know, of course, I love my aerial photography and I love using my Pentax, don't get me wrong, and they don't pay me to say that, by the way. Uh, I wish they did. But, um, you know, when people come in and they say, oh, is, are these shirt on a drone? I have to explain to them, look, look it's not shot on a drone because basically the quality is not there at the moment in order to use a drone to print this big in mm. order to get this sort of quality. But then I turn around and say, I wish it was. 
I wish that there was that sort of quality out of these drones at the moment and we will get there eventually of course you know there'll be a time in the next five to ten years where we'll get one hour battery life out of a drone and uh, we'll get you know 50 megapixel quality out of the camera fantastic um, but in the meantime, you know, we just don't have that. So we have to go to other means if, if that's what we're after. And, you know, that, that's a different topic again, you know, shooting with drones versus shooting out of planes and helicopters. Have you, have you ever seen time. those like the one-man drones that, you know, you, you sort of like or ride them almost like a motorbike? What? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, a drone copter oh. and you, you oh. actually sit on it like a motorbike and you actually ride it. You. Yeah. Yep. But I think yeah, that yeah, I yeah. can just imagine you in like glitter pants flying down the beach on the peninsula during that New Year's Eve kind of time. Everyone's at that carnival. Right. It's just, I just yeah. see Tom flying through the sky. I like it. Taking drone shots. So you could actually use your Pentax on your Tom drone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm loving your imagination there, Matt. Thank you. I'll, I'll bear that in mind when that comes to pass. Yeah. That I, I, that's right. Matt told me that I had to get out on my with my glitter pants and off I go. Well, speaking of getting out, Tom, so how are we going to inspire people to get out of the rut? Well, I think first and foremost, um, what I like to do is is set yourself a project, all right? So um, I like to have a project in mind when I go and shoot uh, anything, you know, regardless of whether we're in lockdown or not, whether we're on a workshop or not. At the end of the day, I always tend to have some sort of end goal in mind, and that's because I'm a professional photographer, but that's not to say that the points that I'm going to make now aren't relevant to the people listening. So, for example, I love to publish my own work, and I've I'm, I've published self-published 14 books now, and, and I love the idea of when I'm shooting down here on the Mornington Peninsula, for example, that the photographs I'm taking would eventually end up in some sort of book you know i'm just about to do my second book which is all about summer here on the mornings peninsula last year we did a book just generally on the mornings peninsula another book that i have in mind for the mornings peninsula is is a black and white one and another one which may be combined with that black and white one is winter down here on the mornings peninsula because of course we get you know completely different conditions on a normal winter we're not having a normal winter at the moment it's unbelievable how mild and still and sunny it has been in the last few months but, um, you know, when I'm shooting, I have those goals in mind that I'm, I'm going to be doing something with it other than, well, I'm just shooting for the heck of it. So having a purpose in mind, I think, is a great way in order to motivate you to get out and shoot. Now, not everybody wants to go and, 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 um, and pay the money and go to the expense and time and effort to produce a commercial book that they're going to sell in bookshops or on their website, et cetera, et cetera. It's just as easy these days, and we're living in special times, to be able to jump on Snapfish or Blurb, for example, and produce our own coffee table book. One copy that we take and uh, put on our coffee table, show to the family and friends at Christmas time. You might even get a few printed and give them out to family, for example. That's a, you know, what a great way to celebrate you as a photographer and as an artist to actually have a beautiful collection of images that you've taken throughout the year or the months, whatever it might be however long that project's lasted. But at the end of the day, I like the idea of having some sort of goal in mind. And so if you are someone who's doing this just for sort of, I'm going to say hobby sake, so, you know, yep. you might be printing it for family and friends and stuff. I mean, I'm not I'm not a, um, I print some of my own work, but I, I, I stick very strictly. I've got like a, a, a system that I do in our house. I don't print for anybody else generally. Um, right. But I've got a particular type of framing that I do, a very particular size of print that I do so that ultimately I can swap it out for something new in the future. But if you're doing a book, um, as a hobbyist, how do you go 
and without going into like just this turns into a book podcast, but how do you how would you go about actually planning that? Because I mean, that's a still to me that feels a little bit vague in that um, if you're working on say a book project for the Peninsula, um, surely it has to have some sort of not storyline like a book storyline, but it, it a needs theme. a journey. Like, how do you develop that journey? Yeah, a theme. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, you don't have to know that straight away. Obviously, um, you know, like uh, when we um, publish the first book well let me take you to the second book for example i knew it was going to have a theme which was the summer but then when we came to lay the book out it was just a random set of photographs and i said to my book designer ian who does all my pre-press work uh, i said to him do you think it needs a theme and he goes you definitely want a theme and i'm like oh god how am i going to categorize this book i was just going to randomly throw pictures on a page and leave it at that and so in the end what we ended up doing was um having a section in terms of the different suburbs on the Mornington Peninsula that I'd photographed. And so that was a nice way of doing it. But, um, you know, getting back to your question, which I've completely forgotten. Um, How do you develop that? Th- not develop the th- Well, yeah, I mean, when I say develop the theme, um, you know, for me, for instance, yes. I'm not sorry, I'm eating ice because you said we would... <laughs> You said we'd have drinks with this, so I, I help myself. You, um, you do, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I got my timing wrong with the eating of the ice. Um, so right. anyway, the but if you've got this... Caught you off guard. Yeah, you've got this theme going right, um, or you don't have a theme yet. For me, I'm not a landscape photographer. I do enjoy landscapes, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy doing seascapes, but I wouldn't say it's like my, you know, I don't... You know, like you would have a pretty good vision as to what you're trying to go out to achieve, whereas I would probably go to a place and, and hope that it you know all my wildest dreams came mm. true so if you're talking you've got to, yeah i think you've got to let me let me cut in there i think you've got to choose a subject or a theme that's going to turn you on you know there's no point just saying well you know i live here in the morning peninsula so i'm going to go and shoot jetties but really i can't stand shooting jetties they're, they're cliche well there's no point you know the whole idea behind setting yourself a project is to motivate you to get out there and shoot and give yourself a little bit of purpose and uh, and and motivation to get out, perhaps when the weather isn't so good, but in the end you're getting some great shots of the storms, waves crashing against the jetty, and that's not something you normally would have gone out to photograph. But because you're doing a book project on the jetties of the morning to Mitchell, you've therefore got that. So I think that's, um, you know, part, part and parcel in terms of like sending yourself a project is to – not force yourself, but to motivate you to get out and shoot at times where you're not feeling that motivation or in weather that you perhaps otherwise wouldn't get out in, stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of brings okay. me to, to you know, I guess, an, another option to get that, I guess, the creative juices flowing. Um, to me, I actually find if I'm going to be doing a project, so I don't do the seascape, landscape project type thing like what you do, but I do love my camping yeah. and we often will go on a trip and that the, the trip almost forms the theme in itself. But yeah. Um, I guess what I like to do before I go, I'm a big fan of the the you know I don't even, I think I'm going to call it an old school platform now, but remember Flickr? Yes, it's, it still exists. I know that. Yes, and it's still around. Yeah. It, it still every now and then hits me up for money, and I'm like, right. <laughs> and you're like, no, go away. It's, seriously, it is. It's like the beggar on the street corner. It just honestly, and they have really good ways to appeal to you for that. But anyway, they um. Right. But I, what I like about Flickr is that it's this awesome platform of professional photographers, but also you know, um, hobbyist photographers, enthusiastic photographers, enthusiasts. And then they've also got right down to people who have no idea what they're doing. And Mm. you've often got groups on there that are based around a very specific genre 
or yep. um, in a lot of cases, a location. And so right. what I like is that you can go, if I'm, say, for instance, I'm going through the Northern Territory and I know that I'm visiting a particular location I've never been to before, if I go to the Flickr, inevitably there'll be a group associated with that location and right. it gives me this really interesting kind of um, array of images to look at and go, well, this is what maybe a pro photographer is doing. This is what the you know an amateur or mm. intro photographer is doing, mm. and it, and it gives you that inspiration to kind of go, oh, hold on a second, I can I can piece you know two of these ideas together and come up with something new myself. But it kind of might yeah. make you stop and go, hey, I've walked down that road before, but clearly that person turned right where I normally turn left, and I find right. that to be a really good inspiration source. Um, 100%. To, yeah, to kick yeah. off those ideas. It's it's uh, it, it segues through to my next point, which is about trawling social media for places that you perhaps might have on your mind that you want to go to. And uh, exactly like you've said there, Matt, uh, you know, jumping on and uh, researching those particular locations and drawing inspiration from the photographs that you're seeing online. I often go on to Instagram and we'll put in the hashtag for the place that I'm wanting to go to um, <clears throat> in order to then uh, do some research and look at some more, you know, the most popular, which comes up at the top of the Insta um, feed there, but then also the more recent ones. And so, for example, I've even done that in order to look and see what um, a place looks like now, you know, like, oh, is it dry or is it wet up there? Have they had rain recently? Well, that's or a good idea. What's the deal, yeah. you know? And I've gone, okay, so what does it look like now in, in the last week or so? Is there a recent photograph so I can do some research on that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's that's a really good point. Actually, I've never really considered the, uh, the weather aspect of it, mm. especially, I guess, if you're researching something, even if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to be in that place next year at this time. Yeah. Um, you know, or I guess being able to backtrack through different social channels yeah. to that time of mm. year as well. That is, that's a really, really good point. And of course, you can follow hashtags on Instagram. So, at the end of the day, you can, uh, you know, keep an eye on that in order to gain inspiration on that as well. And there's not just the places that you can go, but there's obviously themes, etc., just like you've talked about. So, those projects that you set for yourself, they don't have to be a particular place. They could be a particular theme. You know, whether you're going camping, you might consider yourself, or you being the listeners, might consider themselves to be more documentary-style photographers rather than landscape photographers. So you might video or, or photograph, uh, you know, the whole, you know, getting everything together in order to go camping and then the journey itself and then getting there and then setting up and, you know, what we did throughout the whole adventure, et cetera, et cetera, there's, there's a whole book in that in itself if you wanted to publish a book or even if you just wanted to put together a little slideshow that you chuck up on YouTube or up on your own social feed, you know, stuff like that. There's, there's so many different little projects that you can set yourself if that's something that turns you on. So there's another, um, just on that one, I guess, I, there's a similar thing that I do when I'm in a bit of a rut as well. Um, and it's not so much a rut as in I don't have any idea what to do. This is mm. more of a rut of, you know, you, you have a rough idea of what you're trying to achieve but you don't know how to extract images out of that situation. Yeah. Um, so the classic, you know, what you just said there, if you someone who, you know, you're going on a camping trip or something and you go, how am I going to photograph? Or like, what am I going to photograph? I think typically people think to themselves, oh, I should get a drone shot of my car driving through, you know, that cool winding road. I should take an astro shot. I should take a landscape shot. And they're, they're mm. it's good as a general story, but um, it can also be quite generic. It's not not necessarily cohesive. What I yeah. really like to do is to break every scene that I see down into at least three or four elements. So as an example, yeah, yeah. if I turn up to a spot, I'll take a wide shot to establish where I'm at. And then I yeah. literally ask myself the question, what are four things or two things that really make me go, this is a cool spot? And then when I get to those cool, you know, I see that cool thing. It might be that I'm in this really awesome campsite and it's got these awesome mossy rocks. 
great. Well, that's going to be the subject of my landscape shot. And then mm. I think to myself at a step further, like, well, what's really cool about these mossy rocks? Oh, they've got tiny little fungi on them. Awesome. There's mm. some macro shots. And so if you kind of narrow down your thinking mm. from here's the big picture, but how many levels or granular levels can you break this scene down into? Suddenly what was maybe one photo that you kind of like done dusted turns into, you know, five days of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there yeah. like yeah, changing lenses every three seconds. But, you know, it's, yeah. it, it'll keep you busy, that's for sure. Yeah, I think challenging yourself to just get as many different photographs as well. I say that to my workshop clients and when we go to a location, I say just don't be content with the one that comes to you first. Mm. Challenge yourself after you've got that good photograph to, to look for something more. Say how many different photographs can I get out of this one location? Is it changing lenses? Is it a matter of me going portrait rather than landscape mode? You know, um, do I shoot wide? Do I shoot narrow? Do I shoot with a different aperture? All sorts of things, you know, yeah. just challenging yourself as often as possible. And I think that helps you um, grow as a creative and see things differently, um, but also keeps you occupied. It's also, course, I, you know. I think if you're shooting, if you're taking the first shot that comes to mind and going, hey, that was awesome, done, dusted, mission accomplished, yeah. um, nailed yeah. it. Uh, odds are that every other single person who stood in that location before probably saw the same thing. Because if it's that obvious right. to you. Yeah. It's probably it's very likely you're just capturing another version of the exact same shot that someone else has. Whereas I think yeah. if you do what you said, where it's like, no, can we really break this down into lots of different ideas? And maybe you come back and you sort of combine some of those ideas ultimately. But that's when mm. you'll create some unique work as well, rather than just mm. the same old, same old. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, another thing, rather than just jumping on um, social media, is I, I'm a big uh, book fan, as you know, yeah. and so I love. Uh, dragging a few books out of my bookshelf uh, on a lazy Sunday afternoon. I might have a glass of uh, wine in my hand as well and sit in the sun and um, pull out a few favourite books and that really helps me with um, inspiration and getting out and shooting. And, um, you know, I have some favourites. I'll I'll put them up on our uh, podcast page being um, we've got a Facebook page now running, Matty, which um, yeah, I saw that. if you just search for uh, Matt, and Tom podcast or excellent podcast, you'll find it there on Facebook. I'll pop up uh, links to a few of my favourite books that I regularly like to get to and um, and draw inspiration from. But uh, yeah, there's things like um, Nick Brandt, who um, is a fantastic African wildlife photographer. He's got a beautiful book called On This Earth: A Shadow Falls, one of the most popular selling photographic books I think ever. Um, Ken Duncan's always, um, you know, a good one to go to. He's got some great landscape photography books, of course, prolific publisher. So um, his his favourite of mine is called Great Southern Land, which I think was one of his first. Um, you know, Richard Wallendorp, who's an Australian, Western Australian photographer, has a brilliant book called Out of the Blue, which is a stunning aerial book of his, like, 50 years of shooting Australia from the air. Um, there's plenty of others. Have you got any favourites, Matt? Are you a book collector slash reader? I'm I'm not. Um, <laughs> but that's that's actually Matt that doesn't read. Sorry. The, yeah, that's the different reasons. Um, not because I don't like them. I just don't know how to use them. Um, no, right, okay. no um, I, I don't tend to look. Uh, don't get me wrong. If someone puts a photo book in front of me, I'll sit there and I'll really enjoy it. And I do have a few yeah. photo books kicking around the house. In fact, I've got your book, uh, Your Morning to Morning. I was going to say, it's, it's Tom Putts everywhere, yeah. I would hope. It is, yeah. uh, it's on my coffee table there and I do flick it's through that. Um, it's it's on, on your bedside table and before you go to bed every night and kiss your beautiful wife goodnight and just say, look, just give me a few minutes. And I just go and check out got, all the beat shots with got, the bikini. I've just got to <laughs> pour, over, pour over this beautiful book of Tom's again. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I, look, I do look at through that 
that one. I've got one as well. Um, I don't know who the, the author is um, or the photographer is, but it's a it's a shot in Melbourne book. Um, it's quite a large book that was gifted to me. And um, again, oh, that's uh, that's really is big. that not Matt? Yeah, is that not yeah. Matt, what's his name? Yeah, oh, that dude. His surname escapes me. It's not me. This is not a joke, guys. It's actually his name is no, Matt. no, no. I know his name is Matt. Yeah. It's it's oh, it's, I'm gonna have to Google it now. But he's um. Because- totally lost it i do enjoy i should know that i do enjoy that you know what i think though um so i do a little bit i think i i I, it's probably another topic the next topic so i don't know on books i don't tend to look at them myself i do like them i do think that they're very worth having especially if you're not um if you haven't been doing it for a long time i definitely think that it can really inspire you to it just constantly reminds you of of what composition elements work and and mm. angles and how things balance in a scene. And it's sometimes about right. seeing what works in someone else's shots that you can kind of almost c- contrast against some of your own shots and go, uh, you know, what's really cool about this one is it's really, really vibrant. So one thing I notice is if I look at your book, Tom, I see a lot of um, very, very punchy, vibrant colours, right? And if I go into... Um, sort of my landscapes that I do, yeah. um, especially yeah. some of the Outback ones that I've, I've shot um, in the last couple of years. I really, like they've got such a connection to me, especially the, um, the colours. But what I do is I tend to be really, I, I've generally been really conservative on, on amping those colours up. And it wasn't until I started going, actually, you know, this week I've, I've been in like a Central Australia craze um, in editing, but um, I deleted like 3,000 photos, like three days. Yeah, you um, said that in the last podcast. <laughs> but, but I've been going through these shots and, and suddenly, you know, I've, I've had a quick Google around of other um, really well-known sort of Outback Australian photographers and yeah. um, I've noticed that they they do hit that colour really hard. Right. And when I'm looking at my own shot, I'm like, oh, man, I think you're overdoing it. But when I com- mm-hmm. compare it to the other ones, I kind of go, oh, actually, you know what? No, the, the reason I love this other shot is because it's so colourful. So sometimes right. I do I do definitely think that seeing someone else's shots, especially if you're just constantly being exposed to it, it starts to make you see your own work differently. Um, yeah, 100%. But I'm also going to go on the opposite bandwagon to this for a second, not about not liking books, I, but but in terms mm-hmm. of seeing work all the time. Mm. So one thing that gets me I out think of I know where you're going to go with this, yeah. but go on, well, go on. Matt, Matt Irwin, by the way, was the name of the photographer that I was looking for. Was uh, that? Yes, it is. Yep, yep, Matt yep. Irwin. Yep, yep. 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 He's got great, great uh, black and white. Oh, he's, super cool. he's got a gallery Nolan. in the city, I think. Um, Does he? Yeah. yeah, I think he used to sell his stuff at the Queen Vic Market. It has for many years. I'm not sure if he still does, but anyway, yeah, yeah. go on. So, so, so you were going to? All right. So I'm going to break. Fuck the trend here. Gonna you're going to throw the cat amongst the pigeons. So. I am notoriously bad at being inspired um, and Ooh. falling into ruts. So if I knew one person... Hold on, hold on. So what happens? You, you do fall into ruts easily? Oh, or Yeah, I fall into ruts really easily. Right, okay. Um, well, this is very topical yeah, in this. Because this I get distracted. Chat. I get super distracted. You know, I've got so right. much um, in photography because it's also my job. Um, yeah. I'm obviously dealing with corporate clients. Um, I'm dealing with workshops. Um, I'm dealing with, you know, podcasts. I'm dealing with beef. So popular, man. I, I know. Just- I know. Oh, stop it. You see, I had to... It's got Jack of all trades, I mean, the things, listeners, the things I had to do to bribe Matt into doing this podcast with me, I'll tell you I what. Know. I even got out of the bar. I'm still, I'm still recovering. <laughs> but um, no, but, but I guess because of, because of all these different photography elements in my life, um, yep. I get very distracted. So as an example, at the moment, BFOP's coming up in seven weeks now. Um, tickets are yes. on live. I'm very excited yes. about it. But unfortunately, it's just zapping every bit of like photography energy that I have at the moment because I'm going like, oh, I've got to think about logistics and mm. people and all this sort of stuff and presentation. Mm. So I fall into a rut then where I'm like, you know, am I 
am I actually, you know, my photography gets blended in with the business side of it too much? Yes. Um, yeah. So, and so, so other people would have that issue in that they're not necessarily professional photographers, but they are um, obviously, you know, they have a business, uh, whether it's their own business or they work for a living, obviously. Photography is a side hustle. You know, that's, I hate that hustle word, it's such an American word. It's, it's a hobby of theirs. How do they go about separating, you know, one from the other and, oh, and, and you know, being all different. consumed in your work, but then I'm exhausted from my work that I've done throughout the whole week and now I've got the weekend to relax and I really should be getting out and, you know, using my camera because I haven't got out in ages and yet they just can't find the time, the energy, no. the energy, isn't it? What about, this, it? what about this then? Have you heard of the saying, tidy house, tidy mind? Mm. Well, I believe in that. Yes, yeah. go on. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, I'm not even going to pretend I know where that comes from, but um, I did right. hear it once. I think it, I think um, I think the great philosopher Matt yes. Crummins Junior, you know, for yes. Matt Crummins Senior the Third, you know, it's uh, <laughs> Matty Crumdo from uh, the Mary, Mary Crumdo uh, series. Um, but it does come from that whole idea of like a bit of minimalization. So, as an example, um, you know, right. in my now you're, yeah. now you're seeing it from my handbook. I love. Minimization. So if I've got a, a camera bag that is full of 10 different lenses and two camera yep. bodies and a billion different gadgets that I've accumulated over time, um, yep. that's going to distract me because I'm, I'm now got options. And when we have options where we paralyze ourselves, but right. equally in terms of inspiration for me, um, what I find is I go out to shoot because, and when I get out there um, for those, I don't want to say rare occasions because that sounds horrible, but it is, it's rarer <laughs> than I thought it to be. Um, well, you've got a, you've got many irons in the fire. You've got beef happening, and you've got a you know beautiful young daughter there that you, you're raising, who's Who has, ten weeks old or something like that. Who's got, got three photos your, of her? Yeah, you've got, you've got your hands pretty full at the moment. But, but go but on. I'll, 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 you know, when we go away, so we we will do a holiday that's based around my photography. So Laura loves the same stuff that I like to photograph. So I'll go on a photography trip, and she will kind of be there as a holiday component. So, yeah. Um, but you know, we did Central Australia or whatever, and I I go and we're so busy on the road every single day um, and traveling and moving and trying to do stuff and at the same time also trying to enjoy it. Um, mm. I'll come back with thousands of photos and, of course, then fall into this trap of the next thing happens in my life. Um, and that could be the same for people who are not pros. That could just be like, you know what, you had annual leave or you had the weekend and then Monday comes around and you slammed at work again. Mm. And you've suddenly... 100%. You got this catalogue in Lightroom that's, you know, every time you go out shooting it, you get another thousand photos, but you're really not actually filtering through them that fast. So it's easy to log on to your Lightroom and kind of almost I find I question like, what's the point? You know, like I've got three thousand photos and because you're seeing them en masse, I get the impression that they're they're substandard because I'm seeing all the duds mixed up with the, the the perlers that I really like. And it actually takes me a lot of concentration and energy to go through it and be like, no, actually, hold on. When I narrow this down from 3,000 shots, there's at least two good ones. No. <laughs> <laughs> two? No. Jesus, you're a dumb. I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd, I'd be lucky. I think they call this so, the spray and pray method, yeah. You are, you are just, uh, you're, you're 100% better than me. But I find yeah. when I go through that and I go and delete the crap out of the, the bad ones suddenly mm. when you have a catalog that reflects more positive than it does you know neutral or average um yeah then i think it's you start to go actually you know what hold on i'm actually okay at this i'm, I'm doing okay yeah. but you can easily put yourself down just by looking at that whole memory card and thinking why don't i have five thousand great shots mm, i think it's yeah i wouldn't be wanting to put that pressure on on yourself i think yeah sometimes you've just got to go out and shoot for the love of it you know not not that you're going to come away with 
20 amazing photographs from going out and shooting for a, a few days or a week or, or even just a few hours, you know what I mean? Like I said it to the, my, my group the other night about creating without an agenda, just going out and shoot for the for shooting's sake because you enjoy it, not because you have to get anything in particular. I mean, I've actually forced myself now to not get the camera out of the bag. I'm actually trying not to take a photograph and, and it's a little game I'm playing at the moment because of during this first lockdown, I went through a lot of my Lightroom catalogs and went, Jesus Christ, I've shot a lot of crap. Excuse my French. But, you know, at the end of the day, I thought I want to raise the bar. I want to actually shoot better than what I have before. So I'm not going to go out there and just shoot anything that comes to mind or, um, you know, oh, I've shot this before, so I'll shoot it again. I'm like, no, I really want something to smack me in the face before I'm really going to pull the camera out and shoot it. So do you think I'm enjoying that process as well. I'm actually shooting far less than I used to. But do you think that when you get home, though, like let's say you go out and on it, like an, I'll, I'll take an aerial shoot is probably a great example because I imagine that you probably, or most people, I should say, let's not use ourselves as examples necessarily for the amount of shooting because, you know, you've got years of experience ahead of most people. Yep. I'd say the average person, if they got stuck in a plane, not stuck in a plane, they were <laughs> in a plane and they yep. were doing aerial shots, I imagine that they would overshoot that scene by you about 100, sh- 100. You want to shoot the crap right. out of it. So what yeah. I'm saying is if you get back to your Lightroom catalogue, right, yep. and you didn't get to the edit that day because you just didn't. Yep. You had other, life yep. came up. Yep. But next week you kind of think, I'm going to go out and shoot again. But you kind of yep. open your Lightroom catalog and you're like, oh, God, I've still got like 2,000 photos. And because you haven't actually processed any of them, um, you haven't seen the beauty in it yet. You haven't seen that joy necessarily. Mm. You haven't seen the, the the fruits of your labor actually come mm. to life. So I think that can be quite um, demotivating. Oh, so what I'm saying Ooh. is you've got to get in there. Make sure that you you keep on top of your catalog. Make sure you, yes. you catalog your favorites. Make sure you star them and put them in a favorites collection so that when you're feeling uninspired, you can remind yourself you're actually pretty bloody good at this. Yeah. It's just that those great shots can get lost amongst the, amongst the clutter. Oh, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying now. Absolutely. You do need to go back and look at your best and go and pat yourself on the back and go, yep, actually, I know what I'm doing. I can actually take a good photograph because, you know, um, that motivation or what should I say, um, you know, it is only natural for us to not only doubt ourselves but also go through peaks and troughs, you know, with anything in life, you know, relationships, the work that we do, um, you know, our artistic artistic creativity. My weight. You know, (laughs) exactly. Well, that's the that's all the bloody wines in the bath, mate. Um, you know, it's it's only natural for us to not list, to not be at our game the whole time. I, I I was saying to the guys during the week, it's like a professional golfer. They don't go out and shoot their best round every week. God, if they did, they'd win. You know, every week, wouldn't they? Or they'd be competing against everybody else who's 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 you know playing well. At the end of the day, nothing much changes week in week out for them. It's more just their mindset. You know, sometimes you can go out and you can shoot and you can be on song and everything you point your camera towards comes comes out. And then other times it's not. I mean, this morning's a classic example. We had a beautiful morning here on the Mornings Peninsula. I had a couple of places in mind where I thought to myself, I could probably get a good shot there, but I just wasn't motivated to go out. And getting back to your earlier point, I'm, I'm busy working on some pretty interesting projects in the moment. And my time and energy and motivation is, is far more centered towards those that I'm really excited about rather than necessarily going out and taking photographs. And and I'm kind of stuck, you know, in that place of beating myself up for not getting out and shooting because that's what I do for a living Yeah. versus, um, you know, staying at home and concentrating on other things that I'm far more passionate about just at at the moment. 
And you sound a little bit like me where once you get stuck into something, you tend to like to throw yourself into it and nothing else uh, gets looking. Absolutely. So, and then and, you know, and like okay. the other one to, to consider here, and this is, again, just talking to our, you know, I'll say you guys, the audience's um, uh, mindset with this is, don't forget that sometimes going back to old photos, like really old photos, I'm talking about not in the last six months, you know, 12 months mm. plus, mm. I find that when I look back at my shots, sometimes there are photos that I don't find that inspiring at the time mm. because I still have the memory very vividly attached to what was going on at the time. So yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, when we were in Indonesia, the first time we were shooting orangutans there, not with, you know, with cameras. Um, uh, <laughs> God, that didn't come out well, but I know what you mean. I, I say, say that all the time. It's a Mr. Burns moment. Um, no, so... Uh, this is a lovely, lovely rug you've got here, man. Is this a new addition to your home? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Um, right, so, she, so photographing the orangutans and um, yes. you know, I, I did what you'd, you'd say in an aerial shoot. You know, I just went ballistic. Oh, you would. Now, the thing is, don't get me wrong, I love the experience. I really did. But what always stuck with me with that experience is that I was standing amongst, it wasn't actually a lot of people. It was probably about 50 people. It was actually a very quiet day there. But we were all right. in like the the pen, you know, the media pen that they put you in to sort of say like- The scrum, the photo. media scrum, yeah. yes. And I'm right. like shooting, shooting, shooting. And when I look at the photos, I think for the first month or two out of it, I, I was actually doing it for a project for Wonderful Indonesia. And so once we published those photos, I was kind of like, cool, the excitement was about the publication and and the presentation night of this big gallery thing that we did. But, yep. but after that, my main, my main thought when I saw it was, yeah, they're really beautiful, but, like, was it really the wild? You know, was it – there was lots yeah. of people. There was yeah. this, there was that. Whereas I look back maybe two years later, and I've since been there and sort of blocked that out because it was just super awesome. But mm. for the next 12 months or, or whatever, it took me a long time to realise that actually your viewer of your photograph, and that could just be you – they don't necessarily know or need to know that backstory. No. What they need to see is the beauty in the actual image. And sometimes it can change your mentality. Like if you were having a bad day photographing it, you'll probably look at it and say it was a bad photo. 12 months later, you're not going to remember that you were in a crappy mood that day. And you're going to look at it and go, wow, cool. Actually, that's a pretty good shot. So your own mindset and mentality about your own photos can change whether a photo is good or not as well. Because you can change your right. mind about stuff. So if you're not feeling yeah. motivated, you're feeling you're in a bad mood, maybe that's not the day to be going through your shots. Maybe. I think I need lots more wine to just understand the last couple of minutes of what you just said. Oh, really? But that's okay. Oh. <laughs> I tell you what, on that, before we just wrap up today's episode, Matt, there is nothing better than going over your photos that you might not have had a lot of time to go through initially when you shot them and sitting down with a good bottle of wine and just pouring over them and finding stuff that you didn't realise you'd even taken. I mean, I know a lot of mm. photographers get a lot of pleasure from doing that. And, um, and that's a great way to perhaps satisfy your hunger if you're not able to get out and shoot for whatever reason, whether it be lockdown or whether it be just time or, you know, kids, family, all sorts of other things, weather, whatever it might be. It's, um, it's certainly a way to enjoy your photography even more is to get th looking through those past photographs that you've taken. You're spot on. I reckon what we need to do is get other people uh, contributing, jump onto the Matt and Tom podcast page on facebook put your thoughts and ideas around how you best get out of the photographic rut and stay motivated with your photography share those amongst other people on that page and so we can all learn from each other and all help each other out this time matt thank you very much for joining in once again it's been great to catch up with you always a pleasure and look forward to catching up with you guys on the next episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next time. See you later. Bye.